information as they move through the computer. What did they look like? Ships, motorcycles. Were the circuits like freeways? I kept dreaming of a world I thought I'd never see. And then, one day, I got in. And welcome to another edition of Tech Talk, which is still unsatisfactorily named by us Fail Sauce. <laughs> fail Sauce, Fail Sauce by us and our listeners. Paul, what are your thoughts on that? Are you, are you suggesting that our name should be Fail Sauce? Well, it could be Tech Sauce. I mean, Tech Sauce. Yeah, I, I almost feel anything would be more uh, inventive at this point. Saustic. Saustic. like. Caustic gravy chips. Okay, moving on. Welcome to another edition, Paul. Thank you for making it here, even though I'm still hacking up. Yeah, along. you're the one I should I, be well, thanking. No, not when you get whatever it is that I have. That's I'm true. I'm basically patient zero of the zombie outbreak. And then I will be doing a solo show because you will be eating dead. your brains. <clears throat> That is perhaps uh, more fearful and more panicky than the very mild fear and panic that we have for you today. Anytime Paul gets up in the morning, this plays because that's... Whoa, I love yeah. that bass I know, note. I know. We were going awesome. to go somewhere with that. Yeah. But we're not because that is going to be safe for a time where we're truly... Truly afraid and truly actually panicking. And this time we don't really need to be. No, we don't. We're pretty minor. We sort of play that anytime we talk about Facebook, and we're going to talk about Facebook. Facebook has rolled out uh, what they consider to be an incredibly exciting new feature. And I think it's probably more fearsome to me than it is for Michael. That's probably true, too. I, I almost actually, in some ways, see this as a bit of a non issue. I think that the technology behind it is really cool. The potential behind it is really cool. Um, the potential for abuse is definitely quite high. And I think all of those things aren't really going to quite live up to that. So, hey, so Our listeners are on the edge of their seat. I know. That's that's great. We're just going to talk about this now. They're at the wondering, end of what the shouldn't I be afraid of? Now I'm truly afraid. Getting up out of bed. That's about it. It's called graph search. And what it means is, is that if you search for something on Facebook, right now, and you log into Facebook, you have a search bar right at the top. Search for a person. Yep. You can say, like we talked about in our last show, a seven-year-old helped uh, oh, yeah. his friend, who mm-hmm. was 65, yep. find their long-lost brother. Mm-hmm. They've been separated in a foster home when they were, what, what in, in five or four or something like that. They searched for the same last name, and she managed to pick it out from the yeah. photo because he looks similar, and they were reunited after how many decades? Tearful, happy uh, hugs all around. That's a nice story. It is. And so that's Facebook search today. And Mark Zuckerberg... Why can't we just leave it with that? Happy stories. Well... But no. Change, We have Paul to improve involves it. pain. Change involves pain. And so if we want to change, we all have to suffer. Welcome to the Soviet Russia. <laughs> So, <laughs> Facebook, uh, partially probably also because they are under a lot of pressure to come up with some kind of business model that actually makes money. 
and aka <laughs> they need features that do something for someone has rolled out what they consider they've said they consider besides this. making enhanced lists of friends right well friends isn't that important friends and friends likes, likes. It, th- well this is as always based around your friends let's say you make a search for uh, which one of which of my friends are on a radio show with me Mm-hmm. And it would bring up Paul one Morley. person, one person. But that's how it would work. You that's could say pathetic. Well, no, that's actually pretty. Uh, what do you think the ratio uh, is for everyone oh, else? Uh, you're right. You're right. It's quality, quality, oh, not also quantity. That. Also, that. right? Yes. You, you exactly. have one, but who really is that one, Michael? Who? If it's Who's me, that one? it's a really good one, right? Who's Paul? that one? Mm, who is your it's one? You. It's you. Thank it's you. you. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Okay. Vindication. So. Facebook actually made a very schnazzy little video, which I showed Paul earlier this evening, which I was going mm-hmm. to play in the air, but then there's no text, so it's just streaming music, where people search for various things like friends who go on road trips. Yeah. And it shows you all the photos of your friends who've gone true. on road trips. It's totally visual. It's, it's not made for radio. No. And <laughs> the, the other funny thing about the video, of course, is there's actually also mostly videos, which po- people don't really post amazingly shot videos on to beautiful music mm-hmm. on Facebook all that much. Again, nevertheless, uh, another one was photos of my friends before 1995. And you got a whole list of visuals of people who, you know, all the pictures of your friends before a certain date of or time. Friends that like to trail run, they did. Right. And, and then they showed a specific example of how that might be useful. Friends in my company, if you are so unfortunate mm-hmm. as to work in a company large enough to where you're not sure who your friends are. And then they said friends in my company that like to go skiing. Right. So you can, you know, find perhaps mutual workmates who like to go skiing or have a similar activity. And, you know, arguably, actually, Paul, I could see now how that would apply a little bit to what you do. Let's say you work in the school district. You probably mm-hmm. know a lot of the teachers. It's possible that you would say look up friends who like to go to fishing in Chitna because mm-hmm. you need a fishing partner and weekend in Chitna, yeah. and it will pop someone up. Yeah. So that's the idea, and and they plan to add more, I believe. At, at the moment, this is a, a beta feature of the software. They're just rolling this. Tweet! Yes. Beta. Why not alpha? Um, I think, well, isn't alpha like the first letter in the Greek alphabet? It is, but alpha would mean functional but not useful. Oh, really? Yes. I mean, alpha, so if you're... So be- they're releasing this. That seems like the first release. What's different? It is. Well, okay, so a- an alpha means that you have a, some sort of a functioning framework that demonstrates how the product might work. But it, either none of the content is there or many of the features don't actually work. It's the equivalent of having a car where the transmission only runs in first gear and there are no brakes. But there's an internal combustion engine, by golly, and the thing moves forward, right? It's a pretty big deal. Yeah, but that's you know, you, you can't be too picky. No, well, that's true. A beta would be, on the other hand, perhaps you buy a car, but there's no windshield. You know. It's That's a, really bad. Well, yeah, but it still has brakes and airbags and 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 fully functioning. Just don't go over twenty. Exactly. That's a beta. Uh, sometimes important things are missing. And in this case, for Facebook to roll out a beta means to say, well, we're only going to make this available to some people. Um, here's how it works now. Here's what we plan to add later. Because for right now, for example, it won't search for uh, posts that you've made. 
Right. Um, so an example of how this could be used, if I go to Turkey Red and I make a post and say, I really love the zucchini sandwich, and I check in at noon because I'm the kind of person who checks in everywhere he goes. Actually, I'm not, but let's say that I was. Thank goodness. I check in with checking in with Paul at Radio Free Palmer. Checking in with Paul at the coffee shop. Yep, all day long. Yeah. Checking in with my by myself at the coffee shop. <laughs> That's Check, what it would be. It would be checking in at the water fountain. Mm, How am refreshing. I doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. Checking in at checking in. Okay, but let's say I check in at Turkey Red, make a specific post about a sandwich. Someone else could theoretically go to Facebook with this new feature and search for something that they want to know. It wouldn't have to be what they want to know about me. It would be, I'm going to search about, what do people think about Turkey Red? Is it a good place to eat? Mm-hmm. And they would find out if they were my friend or if I had made it public to the entire world, then anyone could find that out. Now, I just want to know one thing. It mm-hmm. Does it filter out people that actually photograph what they're eating Oh, no, it builds on that. That's oh. his favorite thing. Oh, God. Oh. Paul, Paul, don't you want to know what your friends had for breakfast and lunch I mean, and dinner? And isn't it just the, the height of silliness when you, you, you go online and you see what somebody thinks everyone should know and it's their breakfast? Obviously, you have not chosen your friends wisely on Facebook. They're not my friends. Well, therein lies the crux, the the great dilemma of modern man. Who is my friend? I'm going to write a book <laughs> called called that. Who is my friend? <laughs> and so, I, and moving forward, I don't doubt that Facebook's uh, plan for these features is to hope that many of this information will actually be made public where anyone can use Facebook not just as a a search tool to find your friends and talk to your friends, but as a search tool to actually make decisions. Mm -hmm. Uh, Decisions about where to go to vacation, where where to eat, what to buy, things like that. Who to marry. Who to marry, definitely. Who to stock, you know. Stocks to buy. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a very weird chain store, (laughs) to, to say the least. So... <coughs> Excuse me. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't make anything new public. And you, Paul, I think you said you had some reservations. Well, it just, I'm just think about all the information that gets shared already with Facebook, and mm-hmm. this. I'm wondering if this just expands this. Well, it, you know, it won't make. It's kind of a trick question because it won't make anything new available, right? But. It will make what was already available much more easier to aggregate and understand, which, mm-hmm. as we all know, is often a key difference. Well, there's a lot of information that we've given out that's floating around there that even when we gave it out, we knew we were giving out, but we thought perhaps the audience would be this big. Or we think, what are the chances of anyone else ever seeing this? Like, what are the chances of anyone seeing my comment to some friend about some political thing at some point three years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And now I've made a friend with my boss on Facebook, and he can, with one quick search, see exactly what I've said about whom or what I've liked about what. And I think that's that's part and parcel of what uh, I think is a little bit fearsome, because... We we all make missteps. We all have said and done things that maybe we wouldn't in retrospect. Yeah, um, and except for me, but yeah. Ho- well, except for you. Okay, yeah. thanks. Um, 
you know, those things are, are out there. Does this make it easier to access our missteps? Well, that's, I suppose, a negative way to look at it. No, I mean, it does. It I does. know, me, Mr. Negative. <laughs> You're absolutely correct. It makes it, if, obviously, if it makes it easier to aggregate the data and turn it into information, and we've talked about that concept before, then yes, um, it might make it easier to aggregate positive things, which we don't seem to be very good at doing as human beings, but it will certainly make it really easy to aggregate the negative things or, yeah. or what someone else might find as negative. So it, it all begs the question again of what are you putting online and is it available to people? And Facebook these days actually gives you some pretty good tools to control your privacy. To filter things. It does. Yeah. And, and you should make use of them and you can have reasonable expectation that they work. That being said, if all of this conversation worries you, we've certainly mentioned before the golden rule of thumb as far as I'm concerned is if you're putting it online, mm-hmm. it's the equivalent Just of... assume everyone assume. sees it. Yeah, it's the equivalent of putting it on Times yeah. Square on a billboard. Yeah. Just if you think that every time, then then you're probably safe. And start with maximum filtration and work down. This is also true. Yeah, your maximum security settings. Mm-hmm. So actually, this is probably we might we could we could. Do you want to talk about this later or or now? We could talk about exactly how to control your Facebook privacy. We could talk about that in the second half hour. Yeah, I, I guess so. after we get through the rest of our news, that'll keep our <coughs> listeners hanging. That's right. How do you check your Facebook privacy? How do you know if Facebook is reporting your social security number to us right now? It may be. Hang tight. So question. Uh, yes. Now it says, for now there's no mobile version. It doesn't loop in Instagram. Mm-hmm. There's no API, mm-hmm. which would allow outside developers to build related apps. Right. So that is a very good point. A lot of what Facebook does right now, other applications can hook into. They can connect to your friends list and learn things about your friends, perhaps, to help you out. You remember we talked about... Um, a gift app where you can write down what kind of gifts you want to give people and it would pull down birthdays from Facebook. That's right. That's it. That's an API. That's API in action. Application programming interface where Facebook provides publicly available bits of code that a different program c- can use to access certain information in Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, they're not making this, at least the moment, available in that way. No one else can tap into this. So how they plan to monetize it or what exactly they plan to do remains to be seen. But this isn't going to be available to third parties at the moment. Okay. Okay. And actually, while so we're... <clears throat> the whole API, what's API, that acronym? Application Programming Interface. Okay. I'm yeah, just uh, it, it's not a very useful acronym. But it, you'll, you'll hear that bandied around a lot. Anytime another program talks to a service or anytime a program talks to a program, it's, it has to use an API for, for all intents and purposes. Uh, let me think of an example. If we were to have um, a, a website and yeah. we wanted someone to be able to subscribe to updates to our website, an RSS feed, which we talked about last time, mm-hmm. that's a type of an API. Okay. So communication between programs is okay. what that stands for. Um, while we're on the topic of Facebook, by the way, this is just a quick note. Facebook's released a separate application called Facebook Messages for the iPhone and iPad. And if you've ever used Facebook, you know one of the more popular features is uh, the ability to just send messages back and forth to other users. 
and they've now added a f- they have an app specifically built around that and that app has now added free calling between Facebook fo- users on your iPhone within the United States. Oh wow. Which is kind of like what Google Talk does or other you know Skype for so example. So that's a, you know uh does not get factored by your plan with your It provider? would get factored by your data usage over cellular if you're using your cellular signal. Mm. Or if you're using Wi-Fi in a coffee shop, for example, presumably, no, you wouldn't really incur any costs. So you could use Wi-Fi. But, and there is a, a good, great usage note to that. Let's say you're in France. Theoretically, if you have Wi-Fi, you could then go ahead and call someone in the United States as long as they're also on Facebook and just have a you know conversation back and forth with them. Wow. So they are positioning themselves more and more also in an attempt to say, hey, we can be used for communication beyond just the text. We can be used to actually just talk to your friends. So that really is kind of a tactical thing. You know, you got to think about how exactly you're going to use it. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of this, I think, is part of the fact that Facebook is aware it has this massive resource, all these this database of people, and they're all connected to one another how does it build on that in some way that they actually make money and we still keep using Facebook and don't desert in droves? Right. So run in fear. Indeed. <coughs> Facebook graph search. Yes, which we're just talking about. Um, one last thing I want to note about that, and that is that they're probably positioning themselves to compete with Yelp and Google Maps to some degree. Because uh, if you were to ser- share your search results publicly with people, then they can go ahead and anyone can search them. And I think Facebook is making the case that you should want to do this. If you share your, what you do publicly with graph search, that actually matters. What you like, the posts that you make about a place or about a person or about an event or about a musician will actually matter to someone else who you don't even know who might be searching about those very topics. Hmm. So they're making the the argument that social sharing is a uh, uh what would be the right word I was going to say lucrative but an altruistic altruistic move. thank you yes. yes it's an altruistic move on your part to share what you're doing on Facebook right or what you like and I think that instead Facebook of the the usual kind of you know me 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 business of collecting likes also a very good point. Yeah. I mean, rather than, rather than build on the fact that Facebook is notoriously uh, criticized for building a culture where we're trying to be famous, this repositions it to say what you do on Facebook matters because it might help someone else. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there are, there are other websites that are built around that. Sharing information. Yeah, and trying to make that information useful. Well, you know, that is an interesting point because we, we do lapse into so much cynicism about what goes on on, on the Internet, especially we're probably, you know, uh, we feed this monster. No, we, we don't do. have we, we don't do. have a fear, fear and panic. panic. No, yeah, we no. have a happiness and joy section. Well, maybe, maybe we should. Yes, because we, we need some balance. Well, you know, it's I, you know it's ironic, Paul, because I've mentioned this a thousand times, but I spend my day convincing people that their technology will make their life better. But then you start reading news headlines and you come on here and the first five headlines are generally, wow, oh my gosh, did you know? What was I telling those people? Yes, it's just, it's all over for you, man. All your passwords, all your information, it's all out there. Well, you know, it's been, you know, one of the points is that there's a lot of people out there that share information for the right reasons. 
the whole nature of you know open source software really amazes me how people will go to great lengths to to take code and adapt it to certain usages and then just put it out there they're not asking anybody to buy it uh they'll just put it out there like you know wikipedia well, I- you know, I consider Wikipedia to be the cur- one of the current wonders of the world, mm-hmm. actually. I, I truly do. I, I feel that Wikipedia is a shining example of what technology can give us. It's this aggregated source of information built by all of us that is largely useful. There, there are moments when you can't trust it because you're, it's the equivalent of talking to another person. But the amount of use you can get out of Wikipedia for zero dollars is inconceivable even what 15 years ago when you had to pay how much for an up-to-date encyclopedia set that's pretty amazing it, it is it's remarkable or you know t- take yelp it's just people trying to review and be helpful to one another mm-hmm. or you mentioned open source software and when i was thinking about it you can get a free operating system a mm-hmm. free version of yeah. productivity software a free version of something that acts like photoshop mm-hmm. a free video editor yep. free games free online games running on free servers mm-hmm. all simply maintained by people's volunteer and time and effort yep and they have to handle all the problems that surface and they do and in the case of wikipedia they have to handle the you know the fanatics or whoever kind of takes over a page mm-hmm. and and has the Ability to put things online that are really out of line, and they have to handle that and you know, get we should, it back to where it was. We should have a Wikipedia editor on the air at some point. Awesome. That would be very, very fun indeed. All right, moving on. Uh, one quick other note that I was going to talk about, and that is that AT&T, this is speaking of good news and large companies, they are uh, chipping away at their FaceTime policy. And I don't know if you knew, but they had a... Are you familiar with FaceTime, Paul? Yeah. Yeah. Got a little bit like Skype. Yeah. So your your iPhone or your iPad can do video chat with mm-hmm. anyone else who has an iPhone or an iPad. Mm-hmm. Very handy. You have to set them up ahead of time. <coughs> um, well, to, that's actually one of the cool things about it. Theoretically, if they... Uh, historically, if they were on Wi-Fi and you're on Wi-Fi... I could just tap Paul Morley oh, if they happen to be on. Yeah, if they just have their phone well, with that's, them. Well, that's similar to Skype then. It is, but Skype you have to log in. Okay. With FaceTime, okay. at least, I could just pull up your phone number on my iPhone and type tap FaceTime instead mm. of call. Yeah, I've seen that. And it would, you know, your phone would go, beep, beep, this guy wants to talk to you via video. Mm-hmm. The end. Very cool. Um, of course, up to now, it's only been available via Wi-Fi. And uh, Skype is available via 3G, so cellular connection. You don't need to have a Wi-Fi network. And AT&T notoriously only made it available over a cellular network if you had a family plan, which many people do not Mm because we don't all have family plans. And they're now making it available to anyone with any kind of a regular data plan, which is very cool, unless, of course, you happen to be someone like me who's holding on to his grandfathered-in unlimited data plan from whenever he first got his iPhone three, four years ago, <laughs> which I am. I'm thinking of starting a support group called From My Cold, <laughs> Dead Contractual Hands, Will You Take My Unlimited Data? But they, 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 keep, they, they do. They keep throwing out these little carrots like, well, you could have this <laughs> if you didn't do that. <laughs> so, but, it, you know, that's something for them, I suppose. Hey, a quick aside. Mm-hmm. Um, this is off the cuff. 
um, when I was in Fairbanks recently, I've got that um, the signal booster that yeah. we've talked about on the air, and that has significantly raised my signal. Um, I think I started, you know, kind of at a base level edge network, mm-hmm. one or two bars, with the uh, signal booster brought it up to four or five. So, you know, practically speaking, with the edge network, internet's very non-functional. I was, I have been able to send and receive emails, but it's very cumbersome and frustrating and inconsistent. Now, however, I noticed when I was up there over the Christmas holiday that um, my phone said, instead of the E symbol, actually said 3G in like one bar. Cool. So does that mean it's literally jumping to another level? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you are... (coughs) Excuse me. If you are an area that supports the 3G network and your signal is weak enough and you're far away enough tower-wise, it will say you're on an edge network because mm-hmm. it's saying, here's how fast your internet speed is. It sucks. We're mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. However, if you get a strong enough signal, it will bump you up, absolutely, assuming it's available. So it gets to the top of the edge and then it bumps mm-hmm. to the next level? It will. Now, what, what does that mean exactly? Are they literally different networks? Theoretically, yes, but AT&T often plays a lot of hanky-panky, hokey-pokey. Like with the, that the pseudo 4G. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. What speed are you getting? So they often don't so much say, here's the technology you're using, as so here's how much speed you're getting. And we're going to call this 4G speed, and we're going to call mm-hmm. this edge speed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so truth- is it just a continuum? It, uh, I really? think I think as far as they're concerned, yes. So theoretically, Edge is very much a concretely different speed than 3G. It's a different technology, but it can exist on the same network. So the fa- and then this is what made me think of it. Ha- my phone saying you have 3G, and you're talking about FaceTime being dependent on 3G. Correct. Yep. Theoretically, could I do FaceTime on Edge? On, uh, no, not yeah. on Edge, on 3G, mm-hmm. if my phone is saying that. Yeah, I, I would think so. Now, it might have been, you know, you may have just barely hit right. that level and your right. network speed was still really lame. Right. But assuming you, you know, assuming it was anywhere near 3G speeds, yeah, you could have done, you know, had video chat from your cabin in Fairbanks. So we should try this at that some point. That would be point. awesome. You and I should to do this. Maybe we could even do it on the air. I think that some of it, correct me if I'm wrong, some of the connection speed has to do with atmospheric conditions. Oh, I, absolutely. I mean, so we, same couldn't, as we couldn't predict that, you know, if I'm up there and you're doing a show, uh, we couldn't necessarily be able to. to Either that, I'll try to call you and we'll just listen to white noise. Right. <laughs> Paul said what? <laughs> well, let's try. I am it. awesome. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> right. And we'll report back to our listeners. Indeed. I will very much look forward to it. So, uh, the White House introduced a very cool feature a, w- a number of years ago uh, on its website, whitehouse.gov, whitehouse.gov, whereby anybody with uh, a, could write a petition on the website for the White House to respond to in some way. And once it had reached 5,000 signatures, initially, that was the number, they would get a response. And then over time, they bumped that up to, I believe, 
at 10,000 and yeah. then 25,000 signatures. Right. I think they just bumped that up to 100,000. 100,000 now. The internet's getting they a little more popular, it. I guess. Yes. And what the pro- <laughs> people are finding it easier and easier to collect digital signatures. <laughs> Who knew? And what prompted this, Paul? I'm not sure. There was an event. There, really? Oh, the Death Star plans. The Death Star, yes. The claims that favorite. the government was making a Death Star, okay. or should. Okay. We're going to have take a quick break for our half hour, but I'm going to come back. We're going to talk about the White House and its Death Star, and it actually made a comment on its Death Star. And we're also going to talk about what you can do if you spill liquid on your computer or your electronics. Or on your Death Star. Or on your Death Star, which is, you know, what happened to Darth Vader the first time around. <laughs> Dar- Luke Skywalker just waltzes in there with a Coke and then, oh my Somebody gosh! spilled the Coke. No, it was, it was, use, use the Coke, Luke. And so we're also going to talk about how to control your Facebook privacy settings. All of that after the break. We'll be right back. See ya. You're listening to Radio Free Palmer, KVRF 89.5 on your FM dial. If you'd like to get involved with community radio, contact us at RadioFreePalmer.org. This is your chance to invent community radio in Sutton, Chickaloon, Butte, Palmer, and the surrounding areas. And we are back once again. Sorry. Uh, well, you know, there's just no keeping us down. We are the equivalent of the annoying little message that pops up and says, you have a new email message. I, I uh, um, There was a, a place I used to see, the, the, the Blue Moon Tavern in Ooh, Seattle. And they had taken one of those. Um, that was really cool. It was a, a place that, a lot of the the beat poets used to go to and and um anyway they had taken one of those signs uh, hello, or we're open hello and uh we're sorry we're closed <laughs> and they had cut it and turned it around and their sign said we're sorry we're open <laughs> then that is our motto we're sorry we're on the air we're back my apologies <coughs> yeah. Hopefully that coughing can get. We out. hope people can't get that over the air. We do because I, again they're going to turn into zombies. So the White House apparently people thought it might be building a Death Star, and so they submitted a petition <laughs> asking the White House to comment on this very serious problem. For it is, if they were building a Death Star, I think we can all agree that is a problem. What would I mean? What do you do with Death Stars? You blow up planets, <laughs> and the White House responded. Actually, and well, yeah, they said we're not doing it. Well, I mean, you know, it's good to be reassured. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's really. Re- I really believe that. They right. actually gave a reason. They said that we do not believe in blowing up planets, <laughs> which is again reassuring. <laughs> I am into that concept. So they had to get a hundred thousand signatures to get that profound information. No, so from now on, that is how many signatures any oh, new okay. petition At that point must receive a hundred thousand signatures in thirty days to get a response from the administration. So the original number was 5,000, then 25,000. They got 25,000 for the Death Star thing. That okay. was 100. Okay, so yeah, they, were, they were grandfathered in, basically. Exactly. That's what it comes down exactly. to. Exactly. But At the time that they filed their petition, they only need 
25,000. But if, if you want to petition for something now, you're going to need 100,000. You will, and it's worth pointing out that to date they've had a pretty good track record for answering petitions. They've answered a petition about a secession for nine southern states. Uh, they said no. And they've asked a, a request to impeach Obama. Also, you probably guessed it, no. So, yeah, they've, they, you know, that's, I think it's a pretty cool feature. On a little more solemn note and relevant to our previous radio program about Aaron Schwartz, well, the program wasn't about him, but mm-hmm. he came up, you know, regarding um, the, the actions that he took trying, in his mind, to free up access to information that had been paid for through uh, public dollars. And uh, United States District Attorney Carmen Ortiz is uh, helping kind of cinch um, a prosecution of Mr. Schwartz that Indeed. could have resulted in 35, 50, maybe even more years in prison. He, he killed himself, tragically. 26-year-old, recently, yeah. brilliant man, um, a lot of people feel that it was completely unjust that he was being prosecuted to the degree that he was. Um, well, and, you know, I think the point has been made that, yes, maybe he would have been found innocent, but the amount of money he would have had to spend yeah. to defend himself. They're looking at a million dollars, I think, was one yeah, of the... Yeah, that, that was the figure quoted, a million dollars. And he'd already been ruined financially. So it's, you know, I certainly... Do not. I, I don't even really support what he did initially, and nor do I really support his answer to his problems, unfortunately. But you have to imagine he felt he was facing a really insurmountable challenge for for, me, for someone who perhaps did not even know how the legal system worked. So one of the petitions was to remove District Attorney Carmen Ortiz from office, mm-hmm. you know, because they felt she'd really overreached her her power in this case. Well, you know, it already has 35,000 signatures. So a response will have to be forthcoming. Mm-hmm. It's also worth noting on that note that there's been actually some legislation introduced oh, yeah. that uh, would, would seek to remove people who did the, uh, the type of things he did. That kind of from, thing. Yep, from falling under the same purview of the same, same persecution that the laws are meant to go after, which is really people have done either massive copyright infringement mm-hmm. on a truly gigantic scale. Or what, what wasn't one of the things they had put his offenses under wiretapping. Wiretapping, yes, you know, uh, or fraud. So yeah. he had done none of those things. So there, there's actually legislation in motion. Whether, who knows where it goes? He hacked into computers and downloaded information <coughs> and then made it available to the public. Well, he, didn't, he didn't take anybody's money. He didn't hurt anybody. He didn't do any of the things that we should be, you know, uh, going after people seriously for he was it's a much more lower level crime in my opinion well i certainly agree which i should note that if people have other opinions they should email us help at net, or I, you know for the future reference they could also text us at 8417368 they could get in touch on facebook.com slash out of a jam there's any number of ways to get in touch on the show and we will respond to your commentary. You can also text us at 8417368, as I just said. That number also spells UG1RENT. We've been using cent, but then someone started using cent as a a one-cent 
coin, and I guess he texted somebody who's not too happy with that experience. <laughs> and and Yug is U G, not U G H. That's also true. U G one. Ug one. Rent. 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 So please get in touch, and we will uh, put you in the running to win an app, which we'll be very excited about among other things, and we're going to talk about an app in just a second, but there's one other news item I would like to discuss, and this kind of, for me, falls into uh, the ex- uh, the technology happiness and safety dance that we talked about <laughs> earlier. Maybe not for some people, but that is the man who was recently arrested for outsourcing his own job. <laughs> we love this one. We Somebody that we're deducing is in England because it was reported by the BBC, this is beautiful. One programmer, he had had enough of this, his job, coming to work and doing a stupid programming and then going home and sleeping and coming back and doing it again. His, his <laughs> he, boss asked him he outsourced his job to contractor based in Xinjiang, China, for a fifth of his yearly salary. This is beautiful. And he never told anybody. <laughs> He only got <laughs> caught because his company began to s- started to investigate what they thought was a malware infestation. Right, because somebody else was was using his credentials. Right, someone was logging in at really weird hours. A lot of programs need to l- programmers need to log into a server to work on a project, and so someone was logging into the server at really weird hours. And they started investigating why, and they found out it was coming from China. Yeah. So they got really alarmed. Yeah, that would be cause for alarm, actually. <coughs> and there were, they also discovered there were hundreds of invoices from the Chinese contractor on his work curious. computer. What exactly is happening here? What the? So the interesting thing there, he was so dedicated to this concept that he actually emailed this his contractor the RSA key that he used. Tweet! Yes. RSA token. RSA token. So... If you connect to a server securely, you need to identify yourself with a fingerprint of some kind that you are who you are, right? A fingerprint? Uh, metaphorically, digitally speaking, fingerprint. So that is often, uh, let's say when you we've talked about HTTPS or SSL certificate, all these terms you've probably heard before when you're shopping online, right? That means you essentially have a file on your computer that has a unique number associated with you. And it then uses that number to decrypt information on the other side. And so theoretically, the, converse, the conversation only happens between you and the, and the website you're shopping on, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. An RSA token means that you have a number, a hash, that also is only associated with you, mm-hmm. identifies you, is long and complicated. You'd never really remember it. Kind of like a really big password. Exactly. Yeah, for all intents and purposes. Now, there are times that to make that even more secure, you aren't actually even allowed to remember it or write it down. You're given a USB dongle to plug into your computer that then acts as an identifier. The key is hardwired, is encoded into this USB drive. And so he, that was the case for him. And he actually e- mailed, I almost said email. FedEx. He, he FedExed this USB dongle, the RSA token, to his contractor in China. In so China. That, so the contractor would be able to log in and right, do his work. Right, right, right. But it gets, it gets better, ladies and gentlemen. It's it gets better. It's true. Apparently, this guy 
was working for several companies and he made hundreds of thousands of dollars a year while he was paying these Chinese contractors a total of about 50000 a year to get all of his work done. It's totally brilliant. You know, it's he awesome. gets in trouble. He gets in trouble. <laughs> he's going to jail. But it's perfectly legitimate for major multi-billion dollar companies to do it. That's true. I yeah. mean, he's sitting at home. He's paying these people their salary that they've agreed on. And he got on. the job done. And What's he got the, the job problem? Done. Indeed, what is the problem? He's a genius. We should all be doing this. Paul, if there's any way for you to outsource your job, we should find out how. Teaching. Teaching. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is fake Paul. Well, you today. know, online education, it might come to, come to grips. You that's, know? That's we might have to come to grips with that. Very true. So <laughs> <coughs> he's getting in trouble, but I dubbed this man a hero. We, yes, I, I agree. Okay. So we had talked about earlier about Facebook and how to check your privacy settings. Mm-hmm. And I thought probably it would be handy for people to have an idea of exactly what the heck you're talking about. Yeah, and it, Facebook, to their credit, has made it a lot easier than they've ever had before. <coughs> we have had people ask us before exactly how do you know what people can see of about you? Because you might see something when you log in that says, so-and-so tagged this photo. And you don't know if everyone else can see it. They may or may not be able to. So when you log into Facebook, you're going to have this menu bar right along the top. It says Facebook. Facebook's got a little icon of people. It's got a little search bar, which now does graph search as well. Hooray, lists your name, says find friends. All the way to the right, there's going to be two things. One, a little padlock that you can click on, and it's going to say who can see my stuff. Right there. Oh, goodness. Yeah, isn't that pretty clear and easy? It's a little risque, isn't it? Who can't see your stuff, Paul? It's like a chastity belt. Let's find out. Okay, so, and it says, who can see my future posts? Friends. So that implies that posts from this point on, perhaps your past posts are visible to the public in some way, which is good to know. So then right there, they give you a link to the settings where you can change that. Underneath, under that, they say, who can contact me? And they will go ahead and say, you know, <coughs> recommend mostly friends and people you may know. That's my setting. Strict filtering is mostly just friends. You may miss messages from people you know. I, it is interesting how it says mostly just friends because it's a little ambiguous as to what mostly right. in this case means. Yeah. Nobody knows. Well, I'm sure somebody knows, but I don't know. Someone knows. Someone knows. <laughs> and then who can send me friend requests? Currently, you know, it's either everyone or only friends of other friends, which is useful because maybe there are times when you're getting scads of friend requests from people you don't care about. I've had suppliers in China try to friend me, which is oh my interesting. So that's a quick overview. If you go to the top right, there's a little gear icon. If you hit that, right there, there's a setting called Privacy Settings which is really handy. And this is where you get access to one of Facebook's newer features and one of the more useful ones, and it's called Use Activity Log. The activity log shows everything that was posted either by you or about you on Facebook. And that's sort of a key difference because you might post something and make a certain setting about it, but somebody else might post something about you too and have different settings. Mm. So perhaps, maybe, for example, Paul doesn't want everybody to know that he was in the Palmer Bar yesterday at 2 a.m. <laughs> after a work day. Or 2 p.m. Or 2 p.m. <laughs> Indeed, Paul. <laughs> Pie at 2 p.m. Or 2 p.m. and 2 a.m. 
In fact, even my worse. Twenty-four seven. Paul's at the Palmer <laughs> Bar, according to somebody. But that could happen. And this you is might not true, ladies and gentlemen. This is not indeed. True. But what if one of your friends, as a joke, had done that? That's right. Using the activity log, you would be able to see that, and you could actually either, uh, in the future, approve or disapprove the fact that it's going to be posted on your wall on your timeline of Facebook, or you could also request that they remove it from their Facebook account altogether, mm. which is pretty handy. And to do that, you're going to go ahead and you would click on the little pencil icon on the far right of okay. each item, where you can say it's highlighted on your timeline, yeah. it's allowed on your timeline, or it's frank, flat out hidden, or even delete. Or you could report it and mark it as spam. So the, the timeline is the most useful feature you can use because if you choose, you can actually delete specific items moving forward into the future. And then, you know, we all know that deleted items are not gone from the Internet, though. It's true. Although, remember we talked, we talked about this last mm -hmm. year, the fact that a lot of content on Facebook, even after you had deleted it, mm -hmm. uh, would remain accessible photos Right. Uh, months, years after they have been deleted. Because they, they can be accessed through other Facebook pages, correct? They can be accessed through the Facebook pages or the servers just, just hadn't flushed them oh, out. Oh, they really hadn't they had gotten, flushed. Yeah, they gotten cached elsewhere. Uh, Facebook promised to get that fixed, and in fact they did. Their official policy now is that if you delete something, it will be gone from Facebook within 30 days. 30 that days. 30 days wow. is the promise. A lot can happen in 30 days. A lot can, yeah, it's very, very true. Wow. This goes back to the Times Square comment. Wow. You know, if you, want it on, if you don't want it on there. <coughs> that being said, um, they say, and tests have shown that it's usually a lot faster. It's generally actually a matter of hours. Hmm. So Facebook is covering its butt. It's still potentially possible that, but they may, they're now making a concerted effort that when you choose to delete it actually gets deleted. Mm -hmm. uh, but still, even so, a matter of hours is not instantaneous. So if mm -hmm. you're going there in a panic for some reason deleting something, keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And the other thing to keep in mind, if you choose to delete your Facebook account outright, uh, there, are two, there are actually two options. You can deactivate your Facebook account, mm -hmm. which doesn't delete anything. Right. It just makes you unavailable to other people. But okay. all, everything still stays there in case you want to reactivate it. Right. Whereas deleting it will actually delete information on your Facebook account. Okay. And that's not immediately obvious if you go there and you shut things down. Generally, the most immediately obvious option is deactivate. So that's something to look keep in mind. And so finally, the last thing that you can see outside, instead of just use activity log, is also limit past posts under the activity under the privacy section. And that's where you can actually limit the audience in one fell swoop for old posts on your wall. Okay. And that's pretty handy because if you click on that button, you can then, and they'll actually, they'll try to confirm this with you mm -hmm. and make certain you want to do this because change can't be undone. Mm. So I'm not really going to do that. But you can massively limit the amount of information that other people will be able to see about stuff you've posted on your Facebook wall in the past. So you've had to individually allow access to certain people pr prior to that? Uh, prior to that, you may, you've had a fell swoop of perhaps, say, all your friends can oh, see yeah. certain things. Right. This might change it so none of them can see it right. except for you. Okay. And you're not going to be able to mass no, do that. No, activity. You, you yeah. can't say so-and-so yeah. and so-and-so -and -so can, mm -hmm. but nobody else. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So they've really made it a lot easier than they have before. Again, that's... So you might need to do that at, at some point and then re-allow specific people. 
And they have uh, exactly, and they have a large swath of information right there that you can see that covers their help topics about what you can do. So you can go back and change the audience per per item of something specific that you've posted. But if you want to fell swoop, remove it for people, hitting limit old posts will do that. Now, what happens when you see something um, that's harmful, uh, malicious, or otherwise bad on someone else's page that might re- regard... Regarding might, yourself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, again, if it's on someone else's page and it regards you... Assuming they've tagged it mm-hmm. to have anything to do with you. If you go to privacy settings. Good thing to review here. Yep. And you go to use activity log, that, whatever they've done, will 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 be listed there. Right. So as an example, this says that I was tagged in my girlfriend's photo last week. Mm-hmm. It's a photo of me looking like a zombie with the flu. And you don't like that picture? I don't. So no. what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and click on that. Yeah. And I can say... Who can see this on my timeline, friends and networks, everywhere else, custom. I can hit report, remove tag, mm-hmm. and if I do that... That alerts that person that yep, you want it removed. I can removed. check that I either want to untag myself, so I just don't want the photo to say I'm there. Oh, I or I just don't want the event to say or I'm they, there. They might recognize you in the photo, but it won't literally, on a mouse over, tell the person who you are. Or people won't see... Yeah, here's an example. I went to the Museum of Modern Art last summer, and I took a photo that reminded me of someone, and I tagged it as them. It had nothing, they weren't in it, they weren't even with me. Mm -hmm. I just tagged it, they're my friend, they didn't mind. Mm -hmm. But someone else said, hey, did you paint that? That's amazing. Um, If they had not wanted that, they could have gone here and say, well, I don't want this photo necessarily removed from Facebook. Mm -hmm. I just don't want myself associated with Mm -hmm. it. I want myself untagged. And so they give you those two checkboxes. Okay. Now that it's up to that person to do it. It is, yep. They can choose not to. That's also very true. All right. So, but it know. lets them know that you don't like it. It does. It mm-hmm. definitely does moving forward. So that's a very useful tool. And presumably, one can argue if they remove, refuse to remove it, you should probably unfriend them from Facebook because mm-hmm. they are probably not your friend anymore. Right. So you, if you unfriend them, they no longer have access to your information. Definitely true. Mm-hmm. Yep. Assuming, of course, you've got your settings set correctly. Because always remember... Ah, but if you unfriend them, you can no longer go to their informa- their page to see if they've actually followed your Well, request. that's true, but any time you're tagged on Facebook, you're alerted whether or not they're your friend. Oh, okay. Yeah. However, people who aren't your friends can't really tag you, for that matter, is the other good thing to note. Mm. They're not really going to have the same kind of access. So even if you've unfriended the person and they finally do... Um, agree to untag mm-hmm. a photo, mm-hmm. you would receive an alert notice that would tell you that? I don't know. You know, I don't know about that. We'd have to, I'd have to check. Mm. I don't know if you're actually alerted when someone untags you. I doubt it. Um, you're only alerted when someone positively does something, tags you. Oh, so you, you get a notice when somebody tags a photograph. You do. Yep. Facebook very dutifully pops up a little badge and says, so-and-so tagged you here and here, hmm. or so-and-so said they checked in with you at the Palmer Bar, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So you are definitely alerted to all those things. Hmm. Hmm. So them's your Facebook privacy settings. Say, I just got a post on my timeline, is your show over yet? Thank you, Margaret, for that post. Is that like, hurry up? I, well, who knows? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Moving on, on that delightful note, 
I'm going to tell her that I'm in the middle. Thank you. I'm actually on the air. Moving on. What if you are in a position like this where you're obsessing over your Facebook privacy settings? As we have been. Indeed. And you've also placed your cup of water right next to your keyboard. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, gosh. Man. Oh. I should call out of a cheap solution. Oh, that's awful. There's smoke. Oh, thank you, Paul. So So here's what I should have done. Mike actually stood up. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing a little. What's happening? This is on the air acting radio. You know, it's on the air. Michael assaulting Paul. (laughs) No, (laughs) he doesn't care. It's your laptop. So let's say you had done that. I should. What I would have done is I would. And coffee is the worst. Coffee is. It's got all those electrolytes. Well, it's the second worst. I've had vomit. That's the worst. Oh, please. Not mine, clients. True story. True story. Um, don't share, please. That's number one worst. Thank Second you. worst is milk. Four days later. Ooh. So yeah, Ooh. coffee is definitely on the list too, though. It's bad news. Bad mojo. No coffee. No nothing. Okay, so you do that. So the first thing you do, you unplug it from unplug power as everything. fast as possible. Turn and it flip over. Flip it over. Flip it over. Just lickety split. Let that liquid drain out. Doesn't matter what's on there. Flip it over and then. It doesn't matter if you're ruining the carpet underneath it. Nope, nope, definitely not. That carpet's cheaper, guaranteed. Well, probably. But then again, if you have that kind of carpet in your house, you can probably afford a new computer. (laughs) So flip it over and hold down the power button immediately. Shut it down. So and hold it until the computer powers down. Then you can place it and you can run around and breathe into a paper bag for a little bit. Oh, that's just so okay. you don't hyperventilate. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's it's probably what fifteen okay. seconds, something like that. <laughs> I'm not sure how long one before does you pass out. <laughs> then you pass out. <laughs> then you wake up. <laughs> then you run to the kitchen and be the good, dutiful survivalist that you are, prepared for the zombie apocalypse. You grab your twenty pound, twenty five pound, or fifty five pound bag shotgun. Of and put your computer out of its misery. <laughs> you have, you're you're terrible. It's barbaric. <laughs> <coughs> okay, what are we doing with this you rice, Michael? We cooking dinner or what? We're taking this rice, rice pudding, and we are submerging the computer in rice. Okay, immediately. You put it right in the bag. Well, whatever works. Some people Just have pour used it Tupperware. There. Some people have used glass tanks. Some people have used a bucket. I don't care. Try to get it all over. Uh, all over the and keyboard. And it's not going to get inside the little <coughs> pores of the keyboard. Oh, well. Oh, well. it will. Mm-hmm. Rice? It, well, I mean, I would, you'd prefer that it didn't, actually. But it will get everywhere. Rice will. However, rice isn't going to kill your computer. Liquids could. Right. So it's and pulling the moisture away from the yes, boards and rice all that. Rice is a desiccant, and it's going to suck out mm-hmm. the moisture. Now, here's the good news. If you've done this quickly, and if you have really powered down your computer while it's still running. That means a short probably did not happen. Water, liquid in and of itself, does not damage your electronics. What damages it is either it completing a connection that it should have not damaged, Mm -hmm. or, and this is where the danger comes in, let's say you've dried it out, you're going to want to keep it in there a good 24 hours. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just want to pull it out. They want to turn it on. They want to see if it's okay, or it's their work computer. They have to use it. But if you want it to live, you can't do that. You have to let it sit for a long time. Your computers are all closed up. Getting moisture out of there takes a while. What about a hair dryer or something like that? Well, you could. I mean, people have done all of that. People have literally uh, done the following. Microwaved 
Uh, use oh, an oven. Dope. Yep, a uh, hair dryer. Dope. But the reality is the only way to really feel semi-secure is to leave it packed in something that dries it out for a long time. Unless you want to take it apart. I mean, you can do, people have brought in their computers, we've taken them apart. Can open the case at least. Yeah, pull out the components at the very least or open the case and then it'll dry out faster. That's great. Mm-hmm. But the, if you're just trying to do a home fix, just pack it up in rice and leave it there for 24 hours. All right. So it's been there for 24 hours. The next hurdle you have to pass and the next danger is that even though it's dry, there's guck left behind. That coffee? Guck. Guck vomit. G-U-C-K. Yeah, juice. Juice, exactly. All of that has been, there's still stuff left behind. Even though the liquid is gone, coffee is a common, common case. And it's preventing electronic connections from happening. Or making bridges that you don't want to happen. It may. I mean, it's a lot more like, less likely, of course, if it's not a liquid. Mm -hmm. It's a lot less conducive. But yeah, basically it's either preventing a connection Mm. or creating a connection. Mm Generally, truthfully, at that point, preventing. Because mm-hmm. it's dry. Yep. Right. So you'll fire it up, and generally, here's what happens. Generally, it will work fine at that point if you've, really, if you've turned it off before it turned itself off. Before and it, it smells off. really nice as the computer it warms like up. It smells like rice. Yeah, it smells like you know, and coffee. Chinese restaurant. Very rice pleasant. and coffee. Mm-hmm. If you fire it up, hopefully all that's happened because you flipped it over quickly, you've let it dry out, is either it's totally fine, or maybe a couple. Or it's totally no, dead. no, no, Paul. That's not the only other option. I'm more profound than that. Thank you very much. Or maybe your keyboard doesn't work. The rest of the computer might be fine, but just the keyboard doesn't work. Which you can replace. Yeah, and it, you know, generally a keyboard cost is it depends on the computer anywhere from thirty bucks to a hundred bucks, mm-hmm. and uh, then you can have someone swap it out, swap it out yourself. They're often easy to swap out and get that replaced and go from there. If that doesn't work and you actually have damage, don't panic because two things. One, your data is still fine. The chances of your hard drive being compromised... The actual physical disk. Yes. It compromised is slim to none. It's almost certainly fine. Mm -hmm. And you could theoretically pull that hard drive out Mm -hmm. and hook it up to another computer and pull off what you need. That's something a professional would do. Theoretic, yeah. I mean, that's what you would come to us for, yes. out of a GM solutions. But, you know, if for some, on some computers, I will say, it's very easy to do. Hmm. It's really quite trivial to pull out the hard drive. You can buy an external case for these hard drives on Amazon for oh, yeah. 30 bucks or something like that. You'll hook it up. It gives you a USB cable to your computer, and boom, it just pops up. It basically makes an external hard drive out of it. Exactly, exactly. But then the final thing you can do, they're actually, historically, what would have to happen from there is the logic board would get replaced on your computer. Mm -hmm. If it's still not working, that's probably what's been ruined. And that would run anywhere from $400 to $600 for the part alone, Mm. then a couple hours labor. And so you're really starting to seriously wonder, is it worth fixing this computer? Upgrade. True, true. There's, I, I believe there's been commercials of people dunking their phones into coffee, being like, oops. Oopsie, I, I guess I need a new one. But you no longer have that excuse with computers cause, because there are actually services this day and age that fix the logic board on the computer. Darn. They, well, man, Paul, you're just ruining all <laughs> my information and news. <laughs> Paul Debbie Downer, what's the right of Paul Sadner? Okay, so you can send it off, and that only costs about $300 to get fixed. Okay. And that's the good news. We're here for the good news. 
We're going to be back next week with even more good news that we'll be excited to give you and more inf- input and information from you, the audience. Please stay in tune, and we'll look forward to talking to you then. Sorry, we'll be back. <laughs>